0: What's up guys, welcome to Winnipeg's Finest, the podcast where we get personal with notable Winnipeggers. If you haven't been with us before, here's what you've missed.
1: Like I even feel like I've always known that I was supposed to be here, so it's like even if there was stuff that I went through, I always went through it knowing that Mm -hmm. this isn't like the end of everything, you know what I mean? This isn't the end of the world. If there's anything actually that I would tell myself, it's to not be so afraid of failure.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, How different was it for you to uh, watch a movie where Kevin Spacey is the villain?
0: I mean, I feel like they just told him to be himself.
2: (laughs) It's like, dude, be a shitty person who's a predator and, like, does bad things. And Kevin Spacey's like, I got you. Oh,
1: boy, this is my role. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Mr. Professor, look at me make money. Hey, what? <laughs> Call campus security.
0: Thank you so, so much to the fans who continue to support. You guys are awesome. We love you like crazy. This is why we love podcasting, this is why we love bringing you guys episodes. Please. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Remember to follow us on social media at WPGSfinestPod on Instagram. And make sure you're staying posted and telling people about the podcast. We appreciate and love the support you give us. So just know that it lifts us up so much and we're very grateful. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of Winnipeg's Finest. Today's guest is Takis, also known as Peter Takis, also known as one of the best artists to come out of Winnipeg in History today's episode was a fucking phenomenal episode. I'm not even gonna explain it. He has released a track with Goody Grace and tory Lane's Wait for Me, which was an absolute banger, reached some of the best charts in the world. It's a hot track. You guys gotta check it out. Uh yeah, that's it. Just gonna let you guys get into the fucking episode. Hero reads. episode brought to you by UD Underwear, the best underwear on the planet. It's made of 95% bamboo, 5% Spandex. While organic, thermal regulating, and moisture wicking, it's fucking fantastic, I wear a pair every day, if you, and you can too, if you use our code finest to get 20% off all purchases also brought to you by Jellyfish Float by the best place in to receive the wonderful therapy, if you use our code WPGSFINEST to get five fifty. If you look at the top left in your window, you'll see that little pulsing red dot in the gray circle.
2: What's going on, guys?
0: Peter Takis, it's so wonderful to see you again.
2: Bro, it's been such a long minute, man. It's so nice to see you, bro. Well, first of all, congratulations on over 100 episodes. Thank I you. I was, what was that, like episode four or five? Six. Six. And I was like, yo, make it to 100. You guys are going to get so much better. You guys are going to have better guests. And, you know, you proved it. And you guys mm-hmm. have put on some amazing local talent and people with important voices and you guys have done good work man and i'm incredibly proud of you and like i told both of you guys i was always going to come back it just you know episode 100 didn't work so so well but we're here
0: yeah we're here i um, we got a couple episodes loaded up in the queue i think we just released 117 with charlie feta the other day um so i think sarah nick's coming up on 118 and then beeks is coming up 119 and then you'll probably be 120 i love it yeah so towards 20 episodes a little late but you know it's all good it's all good we're firing out of the queue so it's not a big deal um yeah man and we appreciated that right like i always remember thinking after that episode i'm like man i can't wait to get to 100 like it's gonna be so awesome and you know peter was gonna be right and it just felt like it was so slow and then as i was picking up kanan to go do our 100th episode i was like oh fuck
2: (laughs) this is it we're here this is like actually like 100 have you guys like noticed an improvement in like your flow how you guys work off each other has it gradually kept going getting better big time big Big time man big time like so 200 imagine 300 let's go i want to see you know four or 500
1: we're aiming for it man like when you gave us this bottle right here this was like our goal set you know um I just thought in the back of my head is like, hey, Peter Takis, he's one of the biggest names out of Winnipeg, right? He's like out in LA, he's doing his thing. Like, like you said, you're working with some of the biggest artists in the world. And just to have like a person like you behind us is just like such a huge like wall to support us. And that's just that was so huge of you, man. Like to me, like that was like such a personal like shit. Like, I gotta do it now. You know what I mean? Like you're a friend. Like you've been a friend for like I sent you that video from like 20, fuck, what was it, 2015, 2014, or like when you used to fucking DJ at fucking Whiskey Dicks, bro, or Pal, or whatever it was at that time. And it's just like, now we're here, dude, you know, like we're doing our thing, you're doing our thing. And it's just times change, bro. And it's just so crazy to see how
2: we've grown and like, you know, done so much better. I told you guys this when we were making sure the mic was good, but this is my, like, I think fifth podcast of the day. We're doing like the run for the record. And Literally, I do number one, two, three, and I was just like, yo, I can't wait till I get to talk to some familiar faces, Mm -hmm. talk to my friends. So this has been uh, the one I looked forward to today. And hey, man, I'm always going to come back when the time is right. And congratulations, man. Let's do it.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, and like you said, over the time you notice that your skill sets get better. We try out new things. You have some failures. You go through growing pains. Some episodes don't go the way you want to, but ultimately I think, I'm not sure Winnipeg's finest is going to be the brand that I die on or Kanan dies on, uh, but at the very least, it's something where we experimented a lot, built our skill set, and pushed all our passion to something we believed in, and that always pays off.
2: Of course. I mean, you know, my first musical project isn't the project i'm doing right now but it's foundation building you learn so much and yeah i mean winnipeg's finest may not make it to episode 1000 but i'm sure you guys are going to do a thousand podcasts or a thousand something based on this foundation you guys have built
0: yeah exactly so um you disappeared on the internet for not disappeared sorry you went away disappeared sounds bad you decided that it was Best for your health to take a step back away from the internet for a little while. Tell us about that. What happened? What you learned? Why you decided to do it in the first place? Run us through that whole thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, we could say like it was great for my mental health, but it was also probably better for my just creativity. Um, when I was online nonstop, twenty four seven, I think like one of the things I, I really learned was just because you're moving really fast and it feels really fucking productive when I like post a. A really cool photo or a video or a big show and I'm taking a flight every weekend when you move really fast you could trick yourself and say I'm being really productive but when I took a step back two years ago I was like I'm moving really fast but I think I'm moving really fast maybe in the wrong direction (laughs) and when you take a step back speed is one thing but direction is kind of like everything and what's funny is I think like two years ago I was on your podcast and I could almost hear like I was getting a little skeptical and a little disenchanted with what I was doing. I wasn't super thrilled about some of the people that were around me. I wasn't super inspired by the music I was making. I also felt I had no control of my schedule Um, and I was very conflicted at the time. I felt like, you know, I, I get to do shows around the world. I should never say no. I'm being ungrateful to my team and my managers if I say no to a show because I'm exhausted but as i've matured i've realized i I need to control my own schedule for my personal life my private life my creativity when i'm okay with myself i make amazing music that makes everyone happy and it makes my team money and everyone's thrilled and when i'm okay with myself on my own terms i have better personal relationships with my friends and my family so i mean it was time to take a step back but also like two years sounds crazy i totally get it you know um But I didn't intend on that. I I decided I was going to take like a month off. It was going to be an experiment. I told myself, hey, I've been on social media for 10 years. I don't think it's made me a better person. I don't think it's made better music. Maybe it's time to test what will happen if I'm offline for 30 days. What's the worst that could happen? I took 30 days off. I was a little you know, anxious, a little skeptical. Nothing really good came. And literally on like month two, I had made wait for me, like, you know, a song that at the time two years ago was the best song I've ever created. And I started to say, wait, like, maybe this isn't just about my mental health. Maybe this isn't just about me and my ego. Maybe this is about creating the music I've always wanted to create for my entire life. So once I started to see like an ROI on big songs, that I was really excited about. And I was excited to get in the studio again. And I was excited to like, think of like what my debut album would be. I just said, you know what, this is working. Let's make it three months. And then it became four months. And after probably a year, my album was essentially done. And instead of coming back because I finished this project that I spent my life creating I just said, you know, I'll be back when the time is right, when the songs are coming out, when it's time for me to do promo, when it's time for me to promote the stuff I'm proud of, I'll come back and I'm not going to be in a rush, um, you know, because people think that I'm supposed to be on Instagram telling you guys everything I'm doing. Like, I'm never going to be swayed by someone else thinking I'm supposed to be posting or I'm not doing great things. And, hey, man, if I didn't come back the way I feel like I came back musically – Then maybe they're right, but I feel like I I proved a lot of people wrong that you can dip, and you could be working on the biggest shit of your entire life, and come back and say, "Hey, you know, this is this is what I was working on." Maybe for all those artists that were skeptical or people that were critical, maybe it's time to take a step back for a couple months and maybe work on your craft and maybe make something great. Mm. um, It could help. So, I mean, it's not as serious as everyone's. uh, I think kind of made it out to be a lot of people that. I know a lot of people that I care about were very informed um, where I was, what I was up to, you know, I was just trying to make a great album in LA and I didn't feel like having social media. It was literally like, it wasn't as serious or heavy as um, I think a lot of people thought because maybe it's just weird. I guess I was 23 at the time. It's a little weird to just kind of dip without like a statement maybe, but I wouldn't have done anything different. I made the best work of my life. I've created a great private life that I'm proud of. i built relationships with my team that I love. Mm-hmm. I have friends and family that I've reconnected with. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I mean, definitely I wouldn't have done anything different if, it, um, if people were critical. I mean, like, you know, things are okay. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And
0: you're kind of inspiring me to try to step off social media at some point or another. Uh, I've got kind of a, a plan of in my head where i can already insert it so right off the bat i'm thinking about it right away um no but i'm i'm proud of you because it sounds like it was exactly what you needed to do and you know you weren't going on anybody else's agenda
2: i you know i decided i was 23 years old i was when my agents told me you have to be here i said yes when my manager said you have to do this i said yes when people around me said you need to do this i said okay let's say yes to everything. Um, I was so like bright eyed. I was in the music biz. Oh my God, I had a record deal. And I just said yes to everything. And, you know, coming off two years ago, I said, I mean, this was really fun, but if I'm going to do this and really do this, I mean, for the next decade, for the next 20 years, be in this music biz, I need to do it on my terms. And no one on Twitter is going to tell me how I have to release music or what I need. No one's going to tell me that I have to be posting five stories a day. And, you know, that's something I, I talk to my team about there's, there's a a reality here as cool as it sounds to be like, yo, I don't social media like that. I post what I want and I dip. There's a very real risk for an artist or a podcaster or for a creative. Guess what? Social media algorithms penalize you terribly. If you're not posting every day, consistently, consistently, if you're dipping for two years, algorithms are going to penalize you. Mm -hmm. A lot of today's young music fans and podcast fans They want constant updates from their artists. They want to know what I'm eating. They want to know what car I'm driving when I'm in Hollywood. But I've accepted that, hey, algorithms won't like me. That's okay. Um, I'm going to lose some fans that want consistent updates. That's okay. what I do know is I have a great team and I have great music. And a lot of the artists that I idolized growing up in Winnipeg now respect me because of my music, not because of my social media presence. Mm-hmm. Um, that also made it a lot easier too like I'm not gonna lie I don't want to act like I'm like so cool for doing shit or so strong for doing shit when you're in the studio with like your idols or Grammy winning artists Grammy nominated artists and they're like we love your music we fuck with you because of your music and they're like yo what's your Instagram and I say oh, I, I don't have the app anymore they don't leave they say okay cool but I still love all your music let's work so when when people that you really like idolize and look up to respect you for your craft for the 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 thing that I'm on Earth like my mission, that's all that matters. Um, I, I I don't I don't I don't care about the the apps that much and it's bizarre to me that it's become such a question or conversation. I mean, we had so many questions about it coming back. I literally wrote a fucking two thousand word article for a magazine in the uk talking about why i left social media the, mm. the causes the reasons and it it wasn't appropriate to come back on twitter and instagram and say hey i left because of blank in 140 characters mm. but I, I do appreciate like long long form conversations that's why i wrote that and talking to you guys like I'm, mm. I'm, i will talk about anything because this is long form
0: mm-hmm. yeah oh my god and I, I read that article it was a really nice read it was really nice to get an update on kind of where your head was at And I'm glad that you kind of spoke it from your heart here. That's one of the things that I was thinking about, man. Social media is nice and all, but you can't. And one of the reasons I have problems with people like calling other people out on Twitter or Instagram, it's like, yo, you get a box this big with this many characters and this many letters. How are you supposed to have discourse with that? How are you supposed to have a dialogue with that? How are you supposed to understand the complexity of how human beings actually work with that?
2: You can't. Man, I've been on earth for 25 years. I have a childhood. I have a family. I've had battles after battle after battle. You will never know me based on a tweet. And I've accepted that. And finally, I can maturely say, you know what? The the social media is a promotional tool. And and guess what? I'm not going to talk shit about Instagram and Twitter because it built my career. And when I need to sell tickets, fans buy it because of a a Twitter ticket link. And when I drop a song, I post it on my Instagram and and fans stream it. So that's my business. I'm not going to talk shit about it. But you will never really know me through these platforms. So, uh, you know, you can't take it personal. I like, speaking of Twitter, I tweeted out like yesterday that the internet can be careless. Don't let that app change the way you perceive yourself in real life like when i'm in a room by myself i know who i am and when i'm talking to my two friends for an hour i hope you guys know who i am as a person we're having a real conversation there's no there's no you can't misinterpret it you could ask me if you're if you misunderstand something and i'll try to reply um just never let an app change the way you look at yourself in the mirror um you you really need to know yourself when you're alone you know someone used to say uh it's really easy to be okay with yourself in a nightclub. It's very hard to be okay with yourself in an empty room where it's just you. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, if you're in a club and everyone's having fun, and everyone's talking, and everyone's like stimulated, I could, you know, that's, that's an easy two hours. But sit by yourself with no social media, no YouTube for two hours, and some questions might come up that you have to ask yourself. You know, you have to be okay with yourself in an empty room. That's a really then, interesting question. You know, social media is like a little buzzing stimulation that never lets us ask those questions alone.
0: That's a really good observation. Yeah. I, uh, I noticed that sometimes I used to be scared to stay alone. Um, but now whenever I'm having an issue, I'll sit there with it just by myself for like 30 minutes and I'll get mad and I'll get upset and I'll get emotional and then I'll figure okay, what's actually behind this. Oh, it's not about a, it's about B oh, I'm really not mad about this. I'm mad about something else that happened years ago that I feel like has not been solved underneath the whole issue. Oh.
2: Okay. And everyone's fighting their own battles too. You know, if you're taking things personally based on what someone else said, you know, if someone says something to me online, you don't, A, you don't know me, but B, I don't know you. I don't know what you've been through today. I don't know if you just got evicted. I don't know if you just lost your job. I don't know if you broke up with your girlfriend and you're taking it on me over a pop song. Like the same way I could say, Hey, you guys don't know me. I also don't know you. So nothing really, nothing can at this point, I think like ruin my day on, on those apps, um, which is probably a proud thing I could say.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's no, it's definitely fair. I think that that's a real sign of maturity, right? Like, I think everybody kind of takes their licks on social media, but it's a. Uh, the fact of the matter is can you recover?
2: I, there's, some, you know, there's something else I wrote in that article which I was really thinking about and I was very honest about myself and I would ask you guys if you feel the same. I realized when I was about twenty-two or twenty-three, you know how when like there's a car crash and everyone like looks at the car accident, or if like cops come by with sirens, you're like, I wonder where those cops are going. I started to realize that. I'm kind of like naturally drawn to drama and conflict where I would go on Twitter two years ago and see fucking drama. And I'd, I'd be like, damn, this is the best TV I've ever seen. And I'm just like, no, this is crazy. This is a re- this is better than Jersey shore. I'm watching this like reality show on Twitter because of drama and conflict. And I just step back and say, I don't know if this is just human nature that we're all kind of uh, attracted and enamored by drama and conflict, but knowing it about myself, I got to check out. I got to, I got to check out when it's time to get on those apps. I post what I post. I proudly promote the records I'm excited about, or I I say my piece, but I am not going to tune into the reality show of drama. Um, knowing that I'm just too attached to it. It's too magnetic these, these conflicts. So that's why I had to withdraw. It's, that's something that I noticed about myself, but I would ask both of you guys, do you notice that when there's, when there's drama on Twitter, you guys are like, damn, this is crazy. And you guys are, Mm -hmm. I assume we're all the same in that yep definitely I feel like that's just like a natural human thing people are like
1: people are just drawn to the conflict and like exciting things right they're all gonna want to be uh you know in the know and they want to know what celebrity broke up with who who's uh who got a new car like you said like what are they driving oh uh Selena Gomez she just got a new Maserati you know what I mean it's just like all that bullshit it's just to me like I'm, I'm not gonna say like I don't pay attention to it because like I follow accounts that like post that shit constantly, right? Because like I do want to be in the know and I want to know stuff, but to me it's like, I have this thought in the back of my mind. It's like, why do I care? You know, why, why, why should I care?
2: Why like they're not any impact my life right it doesn't make you a morally bad person it doesn't make you a morally bad person i don't think i'm i'm a bad person because i'm drawn to conflict it might just be human nature that are just drawn to that and if we accept that maybe we just limit it or for me and i'm not perfect i fuck up all the time when there's smoke online sometimes I, i jump in and i check it out and i work every single day to get a bit better but if i know myself and I'm like, yo, I could be making a song that's about to change my life, or I could, I could call my fucking grandma right now because she's bored. I'm gonna do that. I'm not gonna, you know, hang up on on those apps and and get into that chaos, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's especially intoxicating when it's people you know or a situation you know. Hundred percent where it's, it's not just okay these aren't just people that i'm reading about like in hollywood and the stars that are out there who i've never met like oh this is my brother this is my brother this is my buddy this is uh somebody i went to high school with like there was somebody on some winnipeg influencer was being dragged nicole Zajak was being dragged on twitter and people were like oh yeah i remember her in high school and she was a bitch it's like okay but that was four years ago mm-hmm. so maybe she's changed and like i don't know that person well enough to have an opinion of her at all and i don't know the situations so well enough to have an opinion at all that being said those kind of things this person was a bitch in high school this person was blank here and blank there you know these people are jumping in because oh i knew them once at some point
2: totally and I, and also just there's there's like a denial of honesty meaning i mean in high school i didn't know what the fuck was going on in the world like i didn't know right. I didn't know myself. I was insecure as fuck. I, once I'm 18, I'm getting drunk every day and I had no real like mission or goal. Like we change every single year. Imagine who you were at 18 versus who you are today. Um, I think it's a little bit of a denial of growth in that way.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you just sound like a regular high school kid. Like, God, I look back on some of the shit in high school. I'm like, oh, I was such a fucking idiot. Like, why would I do that? That was so stupid. I was so immature. I was so insecure. I was hurting people. You know, I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was acting out of what I thought was my best interest. And I would hate for my legacy. I'd hate for my lasting impression on people to be something I did in high school or a tweet or whatever.
2: Yeah, that. but that's, I, yeah, I have a hard time kind of wrapping my head around this because, you know just the idea of high school and the growth of the years and the ex- life experience and the the pain and the heartbreak and the ups and the downs you know we change just so much as people every fucking month mm-hmm. never mind year never mind you know i 'm twenty five right now uh, you know I was in high school seven years ago, so you know I, I think people change, um, so I have a hard time kind of wrapping my head around i don 't know that situation at all, and I have a hard time kind of wrapping my head around um you know someone maybe in high school who really doesn't know themselves who's super insecure who needs to grow just to figure out this crazy world um for there to be um really negative feelings about that but i would also know a situation
0: yeah exactly right and i think i was just trying to isolate that that thought that i saw in that tweet where it's like i knew so-and-so in high school and they were blank it's like yo, people can change and if they change they didn't need to update you You know, like whether or not they were a dick to you or not. And like, if they were, I'm sorry, that's tough. And I don't wish that upon anybody. I I understand how difficult that is to be treated like shit, you know, but that person doesn't like need to send a newsletter to everybody they've talked to about, this is what I've done in my life. You know, I just, I actually ran into somebody at the gym the other day who bullied me in elementary school and I hated this kid so much in elementary school I thought he was such a piece of shit and I thought him and his friends were such pieces of shit and I didn't get why they didn't like me and I didn't get why I was always the one who was left out I didn't get why and I didn't know how to act so like I don't have good social skills still don't but like I didn't especially in elementary school and so like I would act out more and the teachers would get mad at me like the fuck's wrong with this kid and they would kick me out of class frequently and I still wasn't getting attention so I'd act out more But I remember seeing this one kid who I, my least favorite kid out of all the people who treated me like garbage, or at least I thought treated me like garbage. I saw him at the gym and I went up to him and I smiled and I said, Hey, how's it going? And he smiled back. I mean, we actually had a really good conversation and I don't know what the fuck he's like now. I don't, he could be literally Hitler other than that moment from when I met him in the gym. But I decided to put that all away. And I was like, man, that was like 10 years ago. Who cares?
2: and not only that, we don 't know that kid 's home life we don 't know what that kid right. when those doors were shut at home. A lot of kids have some really tough growing up stories that they don 't talk about, and you know is is a fifteen year old kid choosing based on free will to be a bully, or did they were they taught that that they have to fight for everything based on what their parents taught them? So I mean forgiveness is everything man growth is everything and uh, I I hope we could all get to that point I, I don't know man it's it's crazy I I like follow 200 people on Twitter and I I, I stay out of all that but it it's interesting to me that there has been those um, conversations and I wonder what that what that's about
0: Mhm yeah and it's and that that kid specifically too I know that he uh, his, his dad wasn't in his life and that really bothered him
2: So you got to have empathy. I mean, you're at the point, you're maturing. You got to say, you know what? I wish that kid would have experienced maybe what I experienced, or maybe I wish, I wish they had a better foundation with their parents. I wish they didn't see what they had to see at the age of eight. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, half of growing and maturity, it's not only like forgiveness, but it's just having like empathy. Cause like, man, a lot of kids dealt with a lot of fucking shit, man. Mm -hmm. A lot of these people that we call like maybe a bad person in high school, they were dealing with shit that we couldn't even imagine. So there's a bit of like uh, empathy and, and wishing that they get the growth they need now that they're adults, you know?
0: Yeah, and it doesn't justify the actions, but it's just, it shows how limited our perspectives are sometimes, right? Like like I, tr- I tried to make sure to say that when these, I felt like these kids treated me like shit. In my perception, that's how I felt, right? I felt really rejected by a lot of the kids that I grew up around. That being said, I think if I went home with some of them and saw some of the shit that they saw or saw how they acted in private, or how they really saw themselves or the shit that they were dealing with. I think I'd be able to put some of that other shit to the wayside and be like, Oh fuck, you're and, and
2: this isn't like the, probably the healthiest thought, but I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, you know, I had a pretty tough, like high school experience, you know, when I was you know, trying to make songs and I was trying to be a DJ, you know, a lot of people thought it was ridiculous and people made fun of me a lot. And, you know, they made fun of Goody grace a lot. Um, and if it wasn't for those moments, as much as now I'm at the point where it's like, yo, I forgive everyone for the things they've said. There's a motivation still at the age of 25 where I say, I'm going to make a record with Goody Grace, one of the biggest artists on the planet, and it's going to be a hit record. And that, so there is a bit of um, motivation in that. I don't know if it's a, it's a healthy motivation, but there's a lot of pain from growing up that motivated me to, to fight for the things that I'm doing right now. And I don't believe I'm, I do not believe I'm in this position where I'm in today or I've done the things I've done. If I didn't have a great deal of pain, kind of like growing up.
0: Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. What are you saying?
2: Um, just uh, people being skeptical of mm-hmm. things I wanted to do growing up. If everybody told me, of course you could be an artist. Of course you could sign record deals and tour. I don't even know if I would, because it would just be like, okay, I could do that. My parents said I could do that. My friends said I could do that. Twitter said I could do that. So maybe I shouldn't even do it because it's easy. But I I think, I don't know if it's a healthy thing. I, I, I question it all the time, but the skepticism of others fueled a lot of my biggest accomplishments that I'm proud of.
0: Yeah, I think there's a healthy, there needs to be a healthy balance of skill level, advancement, situation what kind of skepticism who's giving it to you because i've always been somebody who's like fuck you if you tell me i can't i'm gonna do it five times over and i'm gonna rub your face in the dirt and tell you you're a fucking asshole not like that anymore but like i've always had that giant chip on my shoulder it's a lot smaller now but i remember when i was in grade nine i played football for the first year and my coach would like rip me in half and like embarrass me in front of my teammates and that was my first year playing football so i I was at that point instead of being like yo fuck you coach i'm gonna rip it and tell you to fuck yourself i was like man this is my first year playing football you're 60 years old and you're telling a 13 year old he's a cunt and throwing the playboard at playing throwing the playbook at him and like trying to make him break down in front of his teammates like you're extremely weird and i just don't want this anymore (laughs)
2: No, I get that, man. There has to be a healthy balance that, at the end of the day of just accepting what is just unacceptable. If someone says something fucking crazy to you, that's just unacceptable. We don't even reply to that. But, I mean, there's also a little bit of a chip on your shoulder coming from where we come from. This, this podcast is called Winnipeg's Finest. And, you know, my upcoming album is called Welcome Home. And it's a story of kind of me growing up and, and trying to make something of myself if I was born in Hollywood or if I was born in Manhattan, I would have probably been telling different stories in my music, but because where I come from, I have a a bit of a different chip on my shoulder because, you know, we don't have very many artists really crossover globally. We've probably had two in the past decade. Um, So just, just, I, I mean, also it's where we we've come from man. And even look at this podcast, like you guys were pretty early in the podcast game, certainly early in the Winnipeg podcast game, um, especially for your age. So you guys didn't have an example. You guys, there wasn't two of you five years ahead doing podcasts so, mm-hmm. and you say, Hey, this, it works for them. Let's just model them and let's, let's do what they've done. And same for me when I was 18 years old, that there was no artist that signed a major deal. There was no artist that was able to tour. There was no artist that had millions of streams and it it could, haunt you a little bit where you're like um no one else has really done it so why would i be special enough to do it so th- there's a bit of that like hometown chip on your shoulder that um, you could use as motivation or it could fucking haunt you you know Mm -hmm. and
0: winnipeg is a strange place right because like i think Kanan and i have done such a good job of searching for people and who are positive and people who are going to get it and people who are really getting after it and passionate about what they do and they love life in winnipeg which is something that i didn't really see before because i wasn't looking for it that being said i understand why people think winnipeg is a more like negative place you know Mm -hmm. it's a test market and it's difficult and it's cold here You know, I I don't buy into it that Winnipeg is a shitty place at all. I feel like there's just majority of human nature is kind of skeptical. But I can kind of see where people are coming from when they say, oh, a lot of people in Winnipeg have a small town mentality.
2: I mean, also just, I don't want to give Winnipeg bad rap, um, but just, I think the population size can create some conflicts. Um, Meaning, let's just say an example as an artist, I'm coming up, I'm 18, you're coming up, you're 18. There's only so many radio slots. So we're fighting for the same local radio spins. There's only so many opening slots. There's only so many artists that come. So there's only one or two opening slots every few months. We're fighting for that. There's only like there was just because of our population, because there was limited radio sport, limited shows, we were fighting for those opening slots. So there becomes a competitive attitude because there's not necessarily an abundance. And even in the podcast market, if you guys were in Hollywood right now, you wouldn't even think about the other pods. But because you guys are in Winnipeg, there are limited sponsors and everyone's fighting for that sponsor they want. There are limited guests and everyone wants to get that good guest first. So I, I just think there's just uh, uh, it, taking the emotion out of it, there's just a population and opportunity which creates competition naturally. Mm-hmm.
0: For sure, I guess, though, like, Winnipeg almost has 800,000 people. Like, we almost have a million people, you know? I I, I do think people need to give it a lot more credit than it's been given. You know, we're all, we're a, a pretty big city. We almost have a million people. That's not a lot of cities in the world that are like that. And yeah. for some reason, we I feel like a lot of people look at it as, like, this small town, like, nothing place, which is weird because that seems very 1980 to me.
2: One of the things that, you know, I've been so fucking proud of like Wait For Me became uh, a record that performed very well and it was very well uh, it was respected by a lot of people it got a lot of radio love it it hit a lot of charts on DSPs I'm very proud of that but the one thing I'm the most proud of is I called up someone from our hometown I called up a fellow Manitoban Mm -hmm. and said we're gonna rock out I got this guy who's gonna jump on the record we're going to radio with this this is a hit I'm going to do it with a fellow Manitoban and that's what I'm the most proud of. Like, it, it would have been very easy, you know, put out a song with an LA singer and get a big feature and drop that and act like I don't know anybody. But for my first single back in two years, mm-hmm. be a fucking fellow Manitoban that I've been friends with for 10 years, that's killing it in his own respect. That's literally become a global act on his own respect. That's what I'm most proud of. And I hope like, Kids in the studio that are like 18 or up and coming artists that are like trying to figure it out back in Winnipeg can say, "Yo, two Manitobans on the same record, number 35 in Netherlands and Spotify, 31 charts in Apple Music, with a one of the biggest artists on the planet." Like, I want them to say, "Yo, two Manitobans came together," mm-hmm. and, and that's my biggest accomplishment for that. So I, I understand that there's competition in that, but there's people like Goody Grace and I who are. Are, are trying to trying to make some people proud. I think that's our goal.
0: And that's so dope. That's so dope, man. I'm really proud of you guys. That's awesome. You know, um, I don't think Winnipeg is recognized enough for the talent that it has, but I really do think in five years, people will kind of be like, oh shit, we missed this.
2: I think, you know, one of the dopest things, so there's like, I look at like two artists um, that I speak to from Manitoba that I believe are are becoming like global acts and that's Goody grace of course and uh a singer named fozia mm-hmm. and you know, I, I i just spoke to her the other day and the dopest shit for me the dopest shit i go into a record label office i go in with like an a and r and they bring them up not knowing i'm from manitoba not knowing i know them not knowing we're all from the same place when you just get brought up in an LA meeting or you get brought up in these boardrooms, I'm like, okay, this is beyond local. They're, they're becoming global acts. So, I mean, I hope, I hope I haven't been home in, in a couple of years, but I really hope when you talk about music, uh, Goody Grace and Fosia are just like the city's getting behind them because what they're doing on a global level is it, it's just legendary shit. Like it's legendary shit what they're both doing.
0: Sorry, you cut out there at the end. But yeah, no, I, I finally caught up. Uh, yeah, dude, for sure. 100%. And I, I really do hope that Winnipeg kind of throws their, their support behind them and throws their arms around them and says, yeah, these, like, these are our people. And there's nothing wrong with growing up here. There's nothing wrong with living here. There's nothing wrong with coming out of this city. Do what you got to do. Go where you got to go. But it's important to be not, it's important to be proud of. But I do think it's really important to not forget where you came from. Anyway. I also
2: think – sorry, what were we going to say? I I would say, um, you know, I did a, Goody and I did an entertainment tonight um, interview, and we just kept bringing up our hometown. Like, the the reality is, and I'm never gonna, I don't know, maybe I'm not all over the socials, but there's probably been criticism that as soon as I had the opportunity, I had to move to a bigger market, and, you know, I made my whole album essentially in LA, and I understand kind of maybe that criticism to an extent. But every opportunity, my album's called Welcome Home. Every interview I've done today and before this, first thing I say is Goody Gray is a Manitoban artist. These are two Manitoban artists. My album, Welcome Home, coming out, it's a story of my hometown. It's called Winnipeg, Manitoba. That's, that's what shaped me. That's what created these stories. That's what creates weight for me and from the start. So I, I, I would say, of course, you know, I, I had to move to a bigger market And my album doesn't happen if I'm not in L.A. But every fucking opportunity, I don't care how big the platform is. I don't care if they're asking me a question that has nothing to do with the city. I'll bring it back to the city. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, I I told you guys I I did all these pods today. I got some pods tomorrow. And then I have a a radio call-ins in the morning. I told my PR team, I said, I want to do some hometown podcasts. Like, I told them right away. I was like, I want to do Winnipeg's Finest. I want to support people that i know so you know I, I i understand maybe a bit of the criticism of having to leave to collaborate with large artists and to to build a big fan base but any opportunity i get any opportunity i get and goody as well because i know him we are talking about manitoba 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. we'll be in the studio with legendary artists that don't know what manitoba is and we're like we're from manitoba and so i can proudly sleep at night Saying, I know I had to leave. I know I haven't been, I apologize. But any opportunity, I'm saying 100 miles an hour. I'm from a place called Winnipeg, fucking Manitoba. My album is my story of growing up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And the first artist on my biggest single of my life is with that artist from Selkirk, Manitoba. So, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm doing my part and I think Goody is as well. Um, But it's also kind of an irrational critique of me or Goody to have to move to a bigger market. Um, right to make to, to do what we've
0: done. yeah
1: sure i mean Ten. like Diego uh i just think that like winnipeg's such like a hot and cold city it's either they hate you or they love you and it seems like they only really start loving you until you know you've made an impact and you've done something right like i remember back in 2014 twitter like everyone was shitting on Goody Grace. He's like, oh, just the white boy with the snapback, right? And, like, to be honest, like, I can't remember, but, like, there's probably a a point in time where, like, I hopped on that train, right? Like, I didn't know him personally. I didn't know that whole situation, right? And, like, looking back, and like you said, like, he's become such a global artist. And, like, now everyone's, like, getting behind him. It's just, like, where was that when, you know, like, he's trying to make a name for himself and trying to do his best, right? And I just think if you want to, like, make something yourself like, of course Winnipeg is such a great test market, right? Cause there's so much like a variety of people, but if you really want to make it big, like if you get an opportunity to go to LA or go to wherever the hell you want to go to do what you want to do, like you kind of have to, right. It's just, it's not really a choice. It's either I make it or I break it. Right. And I'm, I'm sure that if me and Bueno ever got like an offer from someone like, Hey, we want to buy your show, come move out here. We'll build everything with you. Like I'm, I would bet, I would hope that we would like hop on that opportunity. Right. And it's just,
2: and and on another note, I, I, forgot, I don't want to diss this the Goody podcast, but that's one of my favorite artists and one of my best friends in the world. But we're talking about, you said in 2014 people would make jokes you know, about Goody, and I, I used to catch those as well because him and I would do songs together in 2014. Right. We're talking about Goody Grace did a song with Blink-182. Right. And he called his record label and said, I need to shoot the video in Selkirk. And he shot all of his parts in Selkirk, and he flew down a team. And I'm signed to a major label right now. I know how hard it is when you're in LA, Blink-182's in LA, your film crew's in LA. I know how hard it is to call your A&R, your label and say, I need flights for 10 people and I need hotels for 10 people and I need a $25,000 budget because I need to shoot this in Selkirk. And he did that. He fought for that. He fought for the label budget. He fought to shoot his parts in Selkirk, a Mm -hmm. legendary record with Blink-182. So, um, I mean, it is what it is. Also like on that note, you know people used to kill me in 2014 they used to kill him in 2014 people got at me when I did for two years but when I tell a story when I'm in in the room with Goody and we're talking on the phone or if we're, we're working on a record that pain that like pain of, of people kind of beating you down wrote the best songs of our career mm-hmm. and bought us the biggest checks we've ever gotten and built our fan bases how they've been built if people didn't break us down we wouldn't be able to tell the stories we tell in our music so there you know there's there's a pros and cons of it i look at like 10 i get like 10 soundcloud links every day right from from artists sending me songs and the one thing i've been blown away by even some like local acts the production it's good enough the mix and the master good enough some of the melodies in the production they're good enough but there's one thing that nobody nobody but you can do and that is go through enough shit to be able to write a fucking story that that feels like something so like i i I hear a lot of great records but people aren't saying anything you know they're talking about haters they're talking about the car they got but when goody and i are on the phone talking about what wait for me means you know wait for me was written i'll be very honest this is a winnipeg thing wait for me for me was about moving out of winnipeg going hundred miles an hour, trying to make a name for myself, fighting for every opportunity and waking up and saying, damn, that girl like forgot about me. She moved on. My friends have like their own lives. And that was this irrational fear of we moved, we left, but we both were like, shit, no one waited for us. Like our exes all moved on. Our friends all have their own lives. And, and so like telling these very real stories, you can only tell the story of Wait For Me. You can only tell the story of my new record from the start if you've been through some heartbreak and some real life experience. So all the, you know, we've talked about fucking social media this whole pod, but all the pain that Goody and I have experienced from criticism from our hometown, that created the stories that built our career, ironically. If that makes any sense, if people didn't beat us down, we would not have the depth in our songwriting and the stories we tell in our music and we would not be where we are. So, it, it, I mean, it, did it help? Did it help mentally? Probably not. I still have to work through some shit. Did it help with my career? Absolutely. So that's kind of the irony in it all. All the people that said fuck Goody grace and tack for trying to make songs. You losers allowed us to come together and mm-hmm. make songs ironically.
0: Yeah. And I, going back to what you said earlier, I don't think you have anything to apologize for. I understand people say this, that, and yeah, you're a very empathetic, compassionate person. So I see why, you know, you, you obviously outline the answer that you do. That being said, people don't know you, right? They're going to talk shit. They're going to say what they're going to say, right? You don't have to apologize for doing what was best for your career and doing what was best for you. You did the most courageous thing. You took the leap. You went to LA. You risked everything. You could have fucking floundered and died out there. Seriously. That's difficult to go out there. Like, I don't even know what the hell... If you had a day job, if you were a waiter, if you were a fucking magician, I have no idea what you were doing for money. If you, music wasn't making you money, a very real possibility was going out there and fucking crashing and burning. You don't have to apologize to anybody about anything.
2: I mean, you risk it all. The, one, the reason that I have that thought is because this entire album that I've been calling welcome home and when it finally comes out and I'm not going to lie to you guys, I got some, I got some big artists on that. I'm just going to plug that. I can't say who, but I got, I got some really big artists on the welcome home album. It's literally about my hometown. It's literally about what leaving felt like. It literally is about what being told you, you can't do it felt like it's also like I have a record. I'll give you guys a little bit of exclusive. I have a record on the album called way back. And it's basically the whole record is about trying to capture the feeling of the first. And when I say that, I like the first time I heard my song on the radio, I felt like I was fucking, I made it. The first time I played a show for 10 people, I thought I was playing the Super Bowl. And I started looking back, and now I get an email from my team and they say, Hey, your song's played on these 14 radio stations and it got played. 38 times and now my reply is I don't feel anything and I replied like what do we do to boost those numbers versus when I got one spin on a fucking local radio station I felt like I made it now I do a show I do a festival and I'm complaining about the fucking hotel meanwhile I used to feel like I was performing at the fucking Super Bowl in a local room of 10 people so like I, I wrote a whole record call way back just talking about trying to capture that feeling that like the first time feeling that is so hard to capture the first time you you know you you hit I remember when you said a thousand streams now like when a song hits a million I'm like it's taking too long to hit a million it's like the idea of nostalgia so I'm trying to tell all these stories whether it's heartbreak whether it's about leaving and feeling a guilt for leaving leaving and being worried that people you love and care about are going to forget about you because Mm -hmm. I'm fucking busy and I don't check in all the time And having that concern or a song like Way Back, which is literally about how do I feel like the first time again? And you guys could say, you guys probably, your first podcast, that was probably fucking nerve wracking. You didn't know what was going on, but it was exciting. There's nothing exciting about podcast number 120. You guys know exactly what's going to happen. You know how to work the Zoom. You know what time it's all going to happen. There's nothing exciting, but what would you give? To have that feeling of your first podcast or I know you do stand-up mm-hmm. your first ever stand-up show that nerves that like that those jitters like what's it gonna be like what are people gonna laugh that feeling I would give anything to give that that feeling back those jitters again and I mean that 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 so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell the story of growing up whether it's nostalgic whether it's uh, about relationships but it's really the story story Mm -hmm. of a fucking 25 year old kid growing up from winnipeg manitoba and kind of making a name and the the that it's it's not all sunshine this this path i took was not all sunshine
0: yeah and i agree with you there's there's something special about that first time however i do think after that first time i think the special meaning comes in creating value in the 120th time
2: that's a good
0: point. Right? Like, there, before October started, honestly, we had some guests lined up that we weren't super thrilled about. We booked them super early. We were looking on it about a month ago, and we're like, this is not exciting for me. <laughs> These are not things that excite me. This is not a lineup that I'm crazy about. And it's nothing personal against those people. I remember feeling so scared reaching out to them because I'm like, oh, I really don't want them to think I hate them. Or <laughs> I really don't want them to think that they're just not important because it is. It's just... I can't put out episodes that don't feel dope that are going to be dope and that I feel like I'm not going to be a hundred percent in or I'm not going to like editing or I'm not going to like producing. And, and you know, God bless all their hearts. They were very understanding. And I really appreciated that. But I just, I look at the calendar now and I look at the people that we're talking to and, and it fucking excites me in a different way. Yeah. Dude, there's something there's something about your first time, right? Like I'm sure everybody has, you know, thinks back to their first day university or their first day on the job when their dream job or, you know, the first girl you ever liked that finally liked you back. And there's nothing like that rush. That being said, I don't believe in happily ever after, you know, the the credits don't ever roll. It's not okay. There's a first time and there goes our story. It's okay. There goes a first time, but tomorrow's the second time. Mm -hmm.
2: Time after that that's the that's a battle I fight all the time like that honeymoon phase or just talking about like you know you're in a two-year relationship those first two months were like euphoric and the idea of how do we get that feeling back maybe it's not that exact feeling but how do we keep that excitement and uh I mean that's a really good point and uh, for me when you you've been in like the music biz since you were fucking eighteen, trying to make it, trying to figure it out, and you've seen the highs, the highs, the lows, the lows. Sometimes it is tough to muster up that excitement. That's why when I left for two years, I started I started getting excited again. I started getting that feeling yeah. again. And even like the outside pressure when I would hear that, you know, people were, you know, had theories about what I was doing or if I quit music or whatever, that gave me like, oh, now this is even more exciting. Now it's going to be even more surprising when they see who's on my album or who I was in the studio with last Tuesday. Um, So, yeah, I get it. It's, It's a constant battle to keep that excitement, keep that youthful energy um, but nostalgia is a liar too, man. I think about nostalgic moments all the time. I think about my first show all the time. I think about hearing my song on the radio for the first time and why I've gotten so used to it. I think about, you know, I, I, I had to check myself a couple years ago when I was complaining about hotels. You know, actually last year, I didn't post this on social media, um, but last year I did a show in China and I remember coming home complaining about the flight and I. After reflecting, like meditating a little bit, I just was so embarrassed by, I was complaining about my fucking flight when I was getting paid to do a show across the world. And, and I, I had to like reflect on, bro, you're, you're losing it a bit. The ego's talking a little too loud. Remember the kid that used to get paid $25 to DJ at this crusty little bar in Winnipeg? He would kill to get that flight. And the hotels you're staying at, and the paycheck you got for an hour set in China to experience a whole new culture. And, and, and I mean, it's, it's, it's a balance, man. You know, no one's ever going to be perfect. I'm never going to figure out how to stop taking things for granted. But thankfully I've, I've tried to like stop myself when I, I'm acting crazy or like when I get a, I remember like, you know, the records started getting played uh, wait for me in like malls and stuff. And, there was like a store I'm not gonna say which store but there was a store in the mall that dropped the record um and I remember getting mad about that but then I was looking at a list of like fucking a thousand other retail locations that added the record and I looked back and I said I'm like yo I'm tripping sometimes I trip but we all do we're we're human man sometimes the ego gets a little bit loud and you got to settle down yeah,
0: of course. And it's not healthy to chase highs, right? It's not healthy to just continuously want to be high all the time. You need to be, you need to find a fulfilling base level, right? Like I always think of those people who talk about, you know, my a dream wedding. Everything's perfect. The, I was going to say gowns. I'm a fucking idiot. Like the, the outfits look good. The flowers are amazing. The guests are there. It's a banging wedding. And at the end of the night, you know, you go home to your husband or your wife and it's amazing and you guys bang or whatever. That's romantic of me to say. You guys go home and you bang. No, you guys have sex or whatever. And it's amazing. And you, but the next morning hits. Okay. Now it's time to be a, it's time to be a spouse now. Like it's sure that wedding was great. It's time to kick off the marriage. Day one of the marriage. You got to be a good husband. You got to be a good wife. And that's not going to be as flashy
2: as popping champagne as the night before, but it's more necessary to your well being. I remember, yeah, I'll, get, I'll give you guys a little insight. That's a really, really strong point. I remember the first record deal I ever signed when I was like 21. I signed it. We're getting bottles in 1942. We're getting the fucking $300 bottles of champagne. We go, go to the club. We party for a week. And that was, that was the mode. That was going Instagram, telling them we signed this deal. The last deal I signed took six months of negotiations. Mm-hmm. I had to come with hit records with legendary artists to get the deal I've gotten. My lawyers are fighting day in and day out for the terms that I want on my terms, my version of an ideal contract. And the day we signed it, I remember getting a FaceTime from the lawyer FaceTime from both my managers signed it. And we literally, this is a sign of maturity. There was no champagne. There was no Instagram picture. And I said, I'm so proud of you guys for fighting for the deal, like my dreams. And work starts tomorrow let's start planning the first record. And I I remember being like, wow, I didn't go to the club. I didn't show anybody. I didn't tell anyone unless they were in my immediate circle. It wasn't on Instagram that I signed the biggest deal of my life. I thanked my team that worked their ass off to fight for that shit. And I said, work starts tomorrow. I'll see you guys. I'll be up at 8am. Let's go. Um, So that, that was a big, big shift for me. And that's a really good point. Being excited for a wedding is one thing finding excitement and making a 25 year marriage is a whole other thing.
0: Yeah. And and I think that's where the true fulfillment, where the true joy comes from because anybody, anybody can get hype at a wedding. Like you said, anybody can go to the club. You're stimulated. You can be hype. Okay. You know, you're stressed out with work maybe you didn't get dinner ready on time. You got home late. You had a busy day. You and your spouse are both a bit irritated, not with each other, but just with the day. How do you manage that situation? How do you manage yourself in a room alone? How do you put your ego aside and tell yourself, okay, I need to, I need to handle this situation. Well, make sure they're taken care of. And that will set the baseline for how this conversation is going to go. Instead of being like, how am I not being fed? How am I, are they not coming through for me? Same thing with you, with your, with your record label, with your managers, with your lawyer, sign the deal, hey guys yeah we signed the deal but that means i get to start work and it starts tomorrow so that's what we're doing tomorrow
2: that's a big change you know I, I used to think when i signed a brand deal or i signed a a big festival deal or i signed a record deal i was like we celebrate where i come from we're not supposed to have this deal with this clothing company or where i come from we're not supposed to sign these deals nowadays it's like oh we're, we're signing this big run of shows the work starts because these shows better be fucking awesome Oh, the am mm-hmm. this deal. Great. Tell me when the fucking check comes, but we need to start planning this first record. I've been gone way too long. Let's start planning this or we do a brand deal. I, I just immediately, how can I make this brand so happy? I never get dropped and we keep raising our price every year. So there, there's just a philosophy change. Signing a deal used to be a celebration. Now it's uh, the sign that we're on the right track to do good work, but that comes with maturity. Man. Yeah, that's for it. sure. And that and- sounds, that's like the lamest fucking artist that's like the lamest thing an artist has ever said on a podcast talking about <laughs> signing a deal and not celebrating, but I mean, that's it.
0: No, but I love it. And here's why anybody who's listened to our show frequently has probably heard me plug this story a million times. So here comes a million first time because it fuck you. That's why. Um, there was uh, this player's tribune article written by Ray Allen. And he talked about after the heat won the title in 2013, do you, do you follow basketball at all? Of course. Okay, so, so you know the Ray Allen shot in game six, LeBron's epic game seven. They were not supposed to win that series down 3-2 and they right. still did. And he said everybody was at his house, his family, his friends passed out from partying and he got up to go to his dentist appointment at 6 a.m. the next morning. And he got to the office and the secretary's looking at him just so confused. Like, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I have an appointment. She's like, yeah, but you, you won the finals. He's like, I had to get my teeth checked out. And he talked about the most joy he found in his career were in those simple moments. It wasn't in the final celebration. It wasn't the fact that they beat the Spurs. Although those were great moments, but it was when he got up to go to the gym when he was training in college. It was, okay, the game was done and the team's going on the hotel to go back to the... They're going on the bus to go back to the hotel. And he's like, no, I'm going to run back to the hotel. It wasn't in the big celebrations. It was in the tiny... Every day moment.
2: A, that's a philosophy of: Do I want to be known for my on-court performance, or, or do I want to be known for my off-court performance? And for you guys, it's very easy for you guys to ask me a crazy question about certain things that are very clickbaitable and pop <laughs> that clip up. And cool, you guys got a clip. You guys got an off-court clip. But are people going to listen to an hour and a half of us talking? Are they going to make it to one hour and twenty-nine minutes? Mm-hmm. that's on-court performance for me i post a, a, a gucci shirt i'm wearing on instagram that's a cool off court shot but the on-court performances did you download wait for me did you download from the start are you gonna pre-save my album are you <clears throat> gonna buy a 30 dollars ticket to my live show once things open up there's just a big distinction are you gonna be the guy that's loud off court or are you just gonna be the i'm gonna be here for encore and that's a big thing with the social media shit man like i don't post that much i don't you're not going to know a lot about my private life and what I was up to in the past. But guess what? Like my on-court performance is undefeated. I put out great records. I put on great shows. I work with some of the biggest artists. That's my on-court performance. You don't have to love my off-court performance. Cause I don't really care if you like my off-court performance. I want you to know that on court, I'm going to show up every time. I'm never going to put out a dud. Every song on this album is hard. Every song, right. a bigger surprise with a bigger artist and you know every deal is going to be bigger every show's going to be flawless so i mean i'm i'm more focused on the encore shit but that's a good basketball um basketball thought like the last dance vibe um you know jordan wasn't out here doing 100 interviews he wasn't on on tiktok he you know my, you know lebron isn't isn't on tiktok you know he's he's going to probably win tonight um it, it's about on court performance versus off court but you have to decide what type of person you want to be do you want the cheap thrill of that mm-hmm. off court moment. Cause guess what? I love an off court moment and you guys probably do too. I love, you know, I love that car that I'm driving and I love posting on my story cause it makes me feel good for an hour. But what really is fulfilling is in my work, in, in the music, in the album, in my live show, knowing that I'm putting everything into it. And I'm a fight a hundred miles an hour for the biggest artists with the biggest vibes, the best videos. and, mm-hmm. and thing that's included in that so on court versus off court that's a decision everyone has to make and it's not an easy decision
0: everybody loves a Steph Curry step back three but they don't notice the the hand preparation the shot preparation are your feet point towards the basket are they slightly turned to the left how's his balance how's his core how's a follow-through
2: and they also don't know all those other team members that don't have the clout and aren't spoken about by Skip Bayless Mm -hmm. that are just as valuable in that game right I give credit all day. I, you know, when I finished your podcast two years ago, you know, I made a lot of changes to my team. I made a lot of changes to the people I'm around. And I'm, I had to ask myself, is this manager going to be with me for the next 20 years? Is this label partner going to really be rocking with me for the long haul? And I made changes because guess what? You better have a good team around you. You guys work well together, but I'll tell you right now, The artists that are on my album do not happen if I do not have management fighting for me daily, if I don't have a lawyer fighting for me daily, and if I don't have a lawyer fighting for me daily. Like Steph Curry, legendary, I'm excited to watch him, but the other players win those championships.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah, especially Draymond Green, who's the best defensive player in the NBA, hands down, no questions asked. I think everybody can agree with that easily
2: he's cut outside
0: oh sorry i was just speaking truth about draymond green being the best defensive player in the nba but that's neither here nor there um it's very relevant but not the point um yeah and and the problem with social media as well is it, like it, it, yesterday man like oh, i'm sorry audio fucking up big time canon what did you, what was the last thing you heard me say
1: nothing it just completely cut out oh but shit yesterday like i had one of those like little tiny moments of just like i'm on the right track you know what i mean I was at work and, you know, day was just going by slowly and it's just the same shit every day, every day. And they're just, I ran into an old teacher. He was shopping at one of the stores I was at and he uh like, hey, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, man, like, you know, I'm working. I'm doing great. Doing a great job. I have two great jobs. I'm taking a year off school. I'm focusing on my Twitch streaming. I'm like, and then I'm like, all right, podcast. Like, it, it just feels like such like an everyday thing to me now. It's just like, I'm like I started telling him what he's like wow he's like that's actually like amazing he's like two years is like that's that's huge and it's just like this little like inch of gratitude and appreciation for just like all the hard work that I've been putting into just to get to this fucking two and a half year mark and just the grind the shitty episode the deleted episode the shitty guest and it's just I'm here dude and I got one of my best friends like I know. Mean, um, I wish you sitting across from me right now but like I got like two of my good friends just like sitting here having a genuine awesome conversation and it's just
2: that grind it's just so and, like, and looking amazing you know you're talking to your teacher that's a private conversation that's why it felt so great yeah you know I know we've been taught I guess this is a very Winnipeg subject because this hasn't come up in any podcast we're talking about me being gone for two years um there was a lot of private victories that I that felt so good when I celebrate with my team and my, my day-to-day friends and the people that are fighting with me on this album. Like when a, a Grammy winning artist clears a record, that's a huge victory. It's, it's very challenging. So we're going to celebrate in private. And look at that, that was fulfilling. Cause your teacher said, Hey, I'm proud of you. Great work. This is a private conversation. You didn't mm-hmm. post on Instagram and see a comment from your teacher. It was a private victory. And I've been starting to realize that those are much more fulfilling feelings when you could celebrate in private with the people you love that fight with you day in and day out. versus right. Getting a couple of cheap likes and a couple DM slides on Instagram. I mean, that's cool. I, I'm glad you think what we've been doing is cool but those private conversations of, fuck, we did this shit. This is incredible. Just wait till people hear this record. Those victories that, that really matter. And that's what I'm fighting for, man. There's been so many private wins that, you know, will unfold over the next few months that, I mean, I celebrated those six months ago with the people I love and I'm cool with that. And when people see those victories, they're going to see them. But for now I'm proud of those private celebrations and, having this conversation with you guys, I mean, it could have been easy to DM slide, congrats on a hundred episodes, but looking at you guys and saying, hey, I could tell you guys are better. I can literally tell that you guys are better at what you've done. And I'm legitimately proud of you guys. And I have a crazy schedule and I was most excited for this one. The other runs I was doing, those are big radio stations. They're probably gonna be great for the record in my career, but I was most excited for this one because I actually care about you guys. So, mm. I mean, the, the private victories are, are what I've been, fighting for now that i'm 25 versus the the cheap thrills of congrats because the same people that were telling me congrats two years ago were the same people laughing at me last year and are the same people telling me congrats this year
1: man i know like there's people that like when we first started they're like ah you know it's like another fucking podcast just whatever you know you'll probably cut out at like 50 like most people do right (laughs) and like like you said earlier it's just that pushes you that drives you you know I'm like, nah, fuck you. I'm gonna make it to 300. I'm gonna make it to 500. I'm gonna be like the biggest podcast in the city. And it's just, just that push, man. Like just that drive. And it's just that, that, that fuels me every day. And it's just like, that's when also- I have a recording at the end of a day. It's just, I've gone through like 10 hours of fucking work. And it's just like, I right, let's get back to work, man. I'm, I'm so excited for this shit.
2: That's also like um the very like bizarre irony of being human and our growth and like, All of the ideas we've had, we change every year, we change so much, but I'm, I'm actually not exaggerating and I don't have, I could probably find specific examples, the same people that still have tweets up, making fun of Woody, Grace and I in 2015, were the same people congratulating me for what I did two years ago, were the same people that were criticizing my absence for two years were the same people as soon as I dropped weight for me that said yo this is legendary you guys put on for so you know I'm not going to blame those people or take it personally we all have different emotions we all change but I'm not going to take shit seriously when you've been flip-flopping on your opinion for five fucking years right I've I've still been in the game fighting I've been on that court and you can just change your opinion on Twitter so I'm I can't take it seriously I have nothing against you and I have nothing but love and empathy, but come on, man. I'm 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 on court right now. I got I got I got a game to play.
0: Right, you know it's it's funny. Um, Miyazue, a while ago posted something where he posted a video of some people talking shit about him on Twitter, and he I'm not I'm
2: not, uh, I'm not familiar with who that is.
0: Oh, Miazwe. he's a he's a Winnipeg rapper. Okay. Okay, I should have ask you if you knew. It's my bad. Um, but yeah, so he opened at a uh, Frosch with Fausia, and uh i think it was yg that ended up doing that uh here in winnipeg last year and i think it was him or his manager released a video and at the beginning showed a tweet of somebody saying like oh i literally rather do anything than hear a song made by miazwe like i literally rather do anything and i looked up that tweet because i was curious and my jaw dropped because how i heard of miazwe was he performed live at somebody's event the person who tweeted that was the person who threw that event and booked him four years later.
2: Yeah, I mean, opinions hot and cold, man. People just only want to people only want to push for you when it's in their favor, right? I mean, opinions change. Um, I'd use that as motivation, just like anything. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a bizarre thing. But you could find a hundred examples of that. Uh, i also i don't even like to get into specifics or screenshot shit like that because there's i literally have a hundred examples of that i have kids that um used to say peter tack is trying to be a dj ha ha ha, ha. and t- two years later dm me i just want to be a dj like you how how do i get into it like people change um that's also the like impulsive thought that's that's why i, I don't I'm not reactive on social media. A lot of things have happened in the past two years in the press Um, with my last record. I didn't jump on social media to react. And that's a huge warning sign. If you're the type of person to jump on Twitter and say something about someone just because you're feeling it without thinking on it, without meditating on it, without taking a breath and saying, do I really feel this way? Is this an appropriate thing to say? Is this going to benefit anybody in the world? Is this an energy I'm trying to put out? And you just throw that out. Well, in two years, you might feel a totally different way. And now you're a fan of the person It is what it is. Um, I've been like, it's bizarre because I, over the past two years, even the past like five years, I've gotten to a point where I just, I just don't feel anything anymore when I kind of see like criticism, um, It's just, it's just, I understand it. And it's, it's very human. And if I was in certain positions, I'd be fucking pissed too. There's a lot of people struggling. There's a lot of people getting evicted right now. There's a lot of people that are are dealing with bullshit with police right now. And if they need to vent something out, they can't afford a therapist. They, they maybe didn't have a foundation to say, Hey, maybe I should meditate. Maybe, maybe I should take a step back. If they didn't have that insight, maybe they take it out on me and that's fucking fine. I will be the punching bag. If you are going through that much pain, I'm going to be your fucking punching bag. If you have a good bar in there that's funny, then, then I, I appreciate it. If you have a really hurtful bar in there, maybe I'll use it for motivation. And maybe it'll be in my mind next time I'm writing a song. But a lot of people are going through a lot of fucking shit, man. And if I got to be the punching bag or if someone needs to – if you guys got to be the punching bag – you guys are fucking cool, man. You guys are, you guys are, are, are grinding it out. You guys are cool. You guys are it, bro. I could tell you guys are both fucking mature as fuck for your age. If someone says something really hurtful about your podcast, sometimes you gotta say, maybe I'll be the punching bag. Maybe this person's going through something unfucking fucking imaginable because, you know, I've been thinking a lot about COVID. I'm never going to complain about not being able to do a press run. I'm never going to complain about why I can't tour my records. Because some people are really going through some fucking crazy shit. Mm -hmm. People, it like lower middle, like people are struggling. So I mean, if we gotta be the punching bag on Twitter, let's rock it, man. My life's good. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and do legendary shit. I got legendary shit coming. If I gotta be your punching bag and you gotta tell me I'm a fucking idiot and I should die, I'll take that punch. Yeah. I'll take that punch for you because because you need to swing. You gotta get that anger out somehow.
0: Exactly. And it's water off the duck's back for you, right? Like, I think the first time ever, anybody ever gets kind of heat, they're like, oh, what the fuck? And then you learn how to deal with it. I think that's where people make the mistake, right? Where they don't learn how to deal with it. And it's everybody who says something bad about them, oh, fuck them and their assholes. Like, what they're saying isn't right, but the more stock you're putting into what they're saying is now taking There's up space. Also, in
2: your head. Um, like, confidence comes from competence, they say. Mm-hmm. And if people were saying my music sucks or that other artist you were saying, or they're saying, hey, I would rather listen to whatever than your music. That'll bother them if, they, if their resume doesn't look what it should like. If they're insecure about their resume, if they're insecure about their streaming history, if they're insecure about not signing that big deal, if they're insecure that they can't work with a big artist, that's going to fucking hurt. Because you're, if you're insecure with yourself and your, your talents and your skill and your credits – of course, if someone says my music sucks, I'm going to start fucking believing it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I play the biggest shows in the world. Uh, I have worked with the biggest artists of the world. I've, I've ha- had a remix that has nearly 250 million streams. I mean, you can't, that can't hurt me at this point. I, I, I'm very confident with my resume as a kid from Winnipeg, Manitoba at the age of 25. Um, but I think confidence and the ability to shake that shit off comes from competence and a real resume and the only people that are really really hurt from that are hurt because they feel like it might be true if you say my fucking music sucks five years ago i would be like fuck you this oh i'm gonna screenshot this i'm like fuck this nowadays i'm like well my idols say i'm fucking dope and record labels were having a bidding war i i don't i'm not gonna listen to you on that it's all good but i'll be your punching bag because you need love right now But back in the day when I didn't sign a deal, I didn't have a thousand streams to my name and I never played a show and none of my favorite artists knew who I was. Guess what? Those tweets fucking hurt because the only way you're able to, to laugh at that is if you know yourself enough. So I don't know if that made sense.
0: No, that, 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 that definitely makes sense. I think you, uh, you gain confidence as you get better. And even if your resume isn't what you want it to be at, I believe once you're truly secure in what you think and what you say, those tweets don't matter as much. They don't, right? Like the first time you get heat for anything hurts you again. Like I said, but after a certain while, you kind of think about it. Okay, this person's going to do what they do. I respect the fact that they're putting it out there. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Be true to yourself. But I don't have to. I don't have to consume it. Uh, Natalie Bell said to us a couple episodes ago: "Protect your energy. Protect your time. That's it. it. If it doesn't serve you, don't don't
2: consume it." you guys could look at this episode versus our first episode and you guys can, I can hear your chemistry. I can tell that you guys know when one person's going to say, something. Like, I could feel that you guys have progressed. You guys know that you have gotten better. It is obvious. You guys could sleep at night knowing that you guys have gotten better. You guys have gotten bigger guests. You guys have give, given important platforms to people. So, I mean, you guys are, if you guys get some heat, you guys are doing your best and you're going to keep getting better. It's not that serious man i mean you guys are mature enough and you guys are doing well enough for yourselves and you guys are confident enough where take a couple punches it's all good man some people need to punch man some people some people don't go to the gym so they gotta they gotta punch on twitter and and that's okay and my goal is to hey i'll be that punching bag and if criticism about my music feels like there's some reality to it or someone tweets something that maybe someone on my team had mentioned that's like oh that's feedback that's customer feedback these are fans that want the best for me but um you know telling me that you heard that i died of covid which is a real tweet um that's unfortunately just a punch that i'm going to take because that person's going through it you know
0: Mm -hmm. yeah something that gary v said kind of sticks out to me the negative comments hurt you because you rely so much on the positive comments to keep you going
2: that's a really good point
0: if you don't have a strong enough purpose if you don't have a strong enough will desire strong enough why you rely on the pats on the back to keep you going
2: and like we said earlier, we are naturally drawn to conflict and drama. Mm-hmm. I, every day, a hundred people tell me how much they love way For Me and how much they love from the start. When one person says something, it sticks out. Does it hurt? Not at this point, but it'll stick out. I'll certainly read it. I'll certainly say, wait, who said that? Versus the hundred people that are telling me, yo, this is my favorite song right now. It's on my workout playlist. This helped my morning. One person says, fuck this song. It doesn't hurt, but I'm going to stop and say, whoa. Where'd that come from? It's just, you know, it's human nature. It's something we got to accept and mm-hmm. we're never going to be perfect. It's always going to feel, it's always going to be a light jab. It's just, is it going to be a gunshot or is it going to be just like a little poke? Is it going to be a knife or is it going to be a poke? Mm-hmm. I'll take the pokes, but once it starts feeling like a knife, you got to check yourself because that's, that's an issue that you have to deal with.
0: Yeah. It's like that episode yeah. in How I Met Your Mother where Ted goes on, rate my professor and everybody loves him. And then there's one comment that's like eh, he's trying to be too funny. He's kind of boring. And he's like,
2: <gasps> "That's it, man. That's human nature." Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was a really good episode. Uh, let's talk quickly about this before we go because we've been on here almost an hour 15 for sure. Um, I want to talk about the conspiracy theories about what the hell happened with you and <laughs> you were disappearing. Or when you were so why do I keep saying disappearing? I'm sorry, that's rude of me. I want to talk about the conspiracy theories of what people made up when you were away from social media.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, at the start, I would occasionally get like close friends of mine that would like send me screenshots of like really dark shit, to be honest. And at the start, like it was kind of fun. Like it, it it was at a point where we needed a bit of fuel. It was, you know, we were grinding on this album for so long and I needed like a bit of fuel. I needed to know that people were were like, yo, he's gone. He isn't even making records anymore. And I mean, at the start, it was, you know, it was a good laugh. We used it as motivation for the album. But it got to the point where I would get screenshots, and it was just too dark. I mean, conspiracy theories fly. Some people think the earth is flat. Um, Some people think, you know, COVID is caused by towers. Like, the the people are going to naturally come up with worst-case scenarios. And if it's really dark and it's it's not something I could humor – it, it's It's just not gonna, it's not gonna be something that's gonna make anyone's day any better. The one thing like I've been talking about private life first, the people I really care about I really care about so when I mean when, when people would say stuff, I would be around people that I idolized and people I deeply respect and if I got the respect from those people that's kind of all that mattered but i don't I don't really know how else to you know comment on that i I will be like super honest with you guys. When I was making this project, a lot of these studio sessions with very, you know, uh, Tori's an example, but there's been, I believe I had bigger features on the project. You know, my photographer flew down for every session. Like mm. we did videos, we did fucking hours of footage with legendary studio sessions. You know, we're shooting music videos with fucking director x's protege like we're doing legendary shit and it's all been captured and i never felt the impulse to jump the gun i knew when the time is right when the timing is right when the team is ready when the label is ready when all of our ducks are in the line that's when everything's going to come out that's what i told myself but i'm I'm not going to lie and act like when someone says that you know i'm homeless i didn't want to jump the gun drop the record leak the single with so-and-so put out the video early i don't care if it's not edited yo let's drop this song i know it's not cleared yet that was the first time i had like little impulses to hey people are saying crazy shit we need to prove them wrong but you sleep on it and you realize you have a fucking bunch of people working their ass off and things take time and this is no shade there's no shade i will say this right now you know lo- some local artists might have been critical because they don't really realize that things take time in like the real music industry. Um, When you're talking about working with Grammy winning or Grammy nominated artists, diamond artists, they have multiple labels involved. They have multiple lawyers involved. They have multiple management involved. You got to sign 101 contracts before you clear a record with these guys. And then I need to be happy with my record deal. And then I need to shoot a music video, and I have uh, editors do a hundred versions, and they need to be happy with their work before it comes out. And then we need to look at the schedule to make sure the other artists don't have songs coming out. So in the in like the real music industry, and like when you're really in on court, sometimes it, you know a song that was done two years ago could take two years to plan out. And uh, I don't expect people like sympathize with that, but I was never gonna rush my process. I was never gonna rush out my body to work, my debut album. I was never going to sign a shitty deal because I had to sign so fast and I didn't want to negotiate for six months. I was never going to leak a record that I didn't have the blessing from the artist to draw. Um, so, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard topic to talk about because it, it makes no sense. It's, it's, it's very illogical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah, there was moments I almost stepped out of my character and I, re- I responded and I wanted to say, hey, you don't know what I've been doing. You don't know the fucking legendary shit I've been doing for the past two years. But everything needs to come out when it's supposed to come out. There has to be maturity in it. Timing is everything. I have a team that I respect and collaborators that I respect, and I need to respect their timelines. When you're doing records, like I've been doing on this project and working with the artists, things take time. And I don't expect everyone to understand that. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't know where some of the crazy conspiracies come from. A lot of people said I was homeless in the exchange district. That's when I got screenshotted a lot. But um, I mean, I, I was doing legendary shit with legendary people on my own time and privately because it's none of your goddamn business when I'm making records with legends.
0: Exactly. And it kind of goes back to the common thing again, right? Like, if your manager was like, hey, yo, Tacus, I think on this record, this didn't work as well last time. And I know we're going for a similar sound again. But before we release it, I wonder what it would look like if it sounded like this. You'd be like, oh okay, shit. Instead of some random on Twitter being like, Tacus, I love you. Or like, Tacus, you're a fucking piece of shit, right? Like, because the opinion holds weight. And it's not to say that you don't care about your fans. It's just like, when it's time to actually set a plan in motion, you consult the people closest to you.
2: That's it, man. The, I, the people that I respect, I take their word very seriously. The people that I care about, these, these artists I've worked with, when they give me an opinion, I take it to heart. When when someone is, you know, I believe I'm, I've been talking about a lot of basketball references. I've been watching the finals, but some people are on court. You've been actually watching the finals? I've been, I mean, I've been catching the highlights. I haven't seen a the game
0: yet. I'm
2: on tonight, man. You never know what's going to happen. Just, <laughs> um, it's gonna be I've been talking about. On court, some people are on court. Some people are courtside. Some people are in the nosebleeds and some people are in the fucking parking lot. And I fought 20 years of my life to get a taste of that floor. And I'm in this game and I'm never gonna alter my game plan because of someone on the nosebleeds or even worse, someone that's in the fucking parking lot. I'm playing this game day in and day out and I'm fighting and I have a game plan and my coach, aka my team and the people I love, they give me a game plan and I, I try to execute it. So what, that'd be crazy if fucking LeBron didn't listen to his coach. He listened to the dude in the fucking parking lot selling t-shirts saying, no, no, you should do this. I don't like the game plan you guys wrote up. Don't pass to AD. Leave AD out of this. Like, I'm going to listen to people I respect. And I fought my whole fucking life to get on that court and you are not going to kick me off that court. Mm-hmm. Because you're in the fucking devil's bleeds you know what i'm saying
0: yeah well the idea that lebron would listen to his coach in the first place is <laughs> alien but that's <laughs> that? that's not the point i don't think you're getting at i see i yeah i definitely agree with you man i definitely agree with you he was here two years ago and he came back much more wise and much more composed man let me look at the time real quick it's been an hour 20 man how you feel about things
2: I feel great man if you guys have any more questions let's rock it if you're happy with it then let's also rock it it's your call
0: i'm pretty good with it um thank you so much for doing this man i really appreciate it uh it's really nice to see you again and it's really nice to cross paths again after uh, some time away and to kind of witness your development and you know
2: thank you guys i'm always proud of you guys thank you i'm always gonna come back when the time is right and I, I just really respect your growth and I want to, I want to just keep seeing it from the side. I'm on the sidelines. You guys are on the court in this pod shit and I'm on the sidelines and I'm just watching you guys grow.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And likewise, likewise, same way for you. We're proud of you. And we're going to be, I'm probably not gonna be that close to the court cause I don't have that much money, but like, I'll be in the lower bowl for sure. You know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> at least be in the hundreds, but like, you know, like top 100s, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah. And if I I can't make it out to the arena, I'll get on the fucking stream, man. I'll be on the stream. But we always love watching you. We're always so proud of you, man. So thank you so much for coming back.
2: Thank you, guys. You gave me a a, a platform to talk about what I think is important issues. And thank you guys for always believing me in these past two years. Some people didn't. Some people did. Some people are on the right side of history. Some people are on the wrong side. And I think you guys are on the right side of history on, on the past two years.
0: Yeah, hey, man, whether you end up fulfilling the goals that you have or not for music, supporting you is always going to be the right side of history, in my opinion. old man. Thank you. So is there anything you'd like to say or leave before we go? Or
2: That's it. The new record from the start is out right now. I'm incredibly proud of it. Um, and, and you know, keep supporting Winnipeg's Finest. You guys, are, you guys are doing a great job, and that's all. And nothing but love.
0: Word. Thanks, man. Then this is us signing off of Winnipeg's Finest. Yeah. Have a great week.
1: Peace.